0: Hello and welcome back to the Worthy He podcast. I'm Chip Stewart. It's Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. And this episode is going to be on the Beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And I'd like to read back through the Beatitudes to remind everybody. I think it's repetition of the Beatitudes. It's good because the way I, I see these and the Sermon on the Mount in its entirety is our Lord's guidance for us. This what's contained within the sermon of the Mount sermon on the Mount constitutes our Lord's expectations of, of the citizens of his kingdom. This is how we should act. This is how we should behave. Those who name the name of Christ, should act like this. So as we read through the Sermon on the Mount as we continue to study it, please take it to heart that this is the way our Lord wants us to be, wants us to be toward him, wants us to be toward others. love God and love your neighbor, love others, which is um, summing up the entire law. So here are the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 12. He tells us that those who are like this are blessed blessed by God. And then there is a promise at the end which I think is incredible. He calls the people who are like this blessed and then for theirs is a the kingdom of heaven for they shall be comforted for they shall inherit the earth for they shall be satisfied for they shall receive mercy for they shall see God for they shall be called sons of God for theirs is the kingdom of heaven don't we don't we all want this you know we should we should want to a- attain all of this we we want to receive all of this from our lord and so you know you look back at the beginning of each one of those sentences the blessed are and that tells us how to behave and how we'll be rewarded for that for that behavior if you will to be faithful to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I want to remind everybody what blessed means, the definition. Happy, prosperous in worldly affairs, enjoying spiritual happiness and the favor of God, enjoying heavenly felicity. So the the part I take out of that blessed meaning enjoying the favor of God. It, it it's be in response to what you are doing you know if you're think about it, you're showing mercy you're poor in spirit you're mourning you're meek you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness and you're enjoying the favor of god because you are in that state you're in that position you are doing that so that's blessed and then mercy so this this beatitude here blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy The definition of mercy um, that I I found in Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it seems to be twofold. Uh, The first definition, uh, that benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart, which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. The disposition that tempers justice and induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries and to forbear punishment or inflict less than law or justice will warrant. In this sense, there is perhaps no word in our language precisely synonymous with mercy. That which comes nearest to it is grace. It it implies benevolence, tenderness, mildness, pity, or compassion, and clemency, but exercise only toward offenders. Mercy is a distinguishing attribute of the supreme being. And then the other definition in Webster's 1828 uh, that I picked out of there was having pity. Pity, compassion manifested toward a person in distress. And when you read through the scriptures, I believe both of these are played out when our God tells us to be merciful and when our God has mercy upon us. So those two main types of mercy that that I believe our God is talking about is judicial mercy, in other words, forgiveness, and compassionate mercy, helping those in distress. And And when you read through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, I think we'll see that mercy is applied in a few additional places, such as when he speaks about loving our enemies, giving to the needy, praying about forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer, and also the golden rule. So that mercy plays out. So I think the first thing we need to understand is that God is merciful, and therefore we as his children should be merciful. In Leviticus chapter 19, starting in verse 1, um, it says here, And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God am holy. Okay. So the Lord here is telling us that we need to be holy like him. And part of his holiness is his mercy. So God is merciful. And therefore we as his children should also be merciful. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says here, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us, who comforts us in our, all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So he's calling us to have mercy upon others, in their affliction. And then also our Lord Jesus Christ is merciful as he demonstrated, uh, for example, by the many times he responded to people's cries for him to have mercy on them as you read through the Gospels. And uh, we're instructed to be like him and the mercy he shows for us through his work on the cross. So we're to be like our Savior, Jesus Christ, who showed mercy to people in affliction and showed mercy to us and our sins by going to the cross. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we're to imitate God. And then in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3-6, through 6, it says, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked." So both of these verses are saying that we should be imitators of God. We should be imitators of Christ, and Christ is merciful, as as we'll also see through some uh, some other uh, some other scriptures. Sorry, (laughs) some other scriptures. (laughs) But um, I want to I want to caution us because we're called to be imitators of God. Well, there's certain attributes of God, and, and there's one in particular. I want to highlight here, I'm not sure if there's any others, but I want to make sure that we're clear on this one, that God reserves for himself and we are not to imitate uh, him in in this regard. And and some of you probably already know where I'm going with this, but God tells us we are not to take vengeance. We are not to avenge ourselves. That is his purview and his purview alone to mete out vengeance. Okay, so we do not uh, imitate God in that respect. He withholds that for himself. We show love, courtesy, um, kindness to all others, even our enemies. So in Romans chapter 12, verses um, you see 19 through 21 here, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So here he's telling us to demonstrate mercy even upon our enemies. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. We're to have mercy upon our enemies, not to seek vengeance, not to avenge ourselves. The latter part of this beatitude when he says blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy well who are we receiving mercy from well clearly um, god our father um, and that's going to become apparent here very shortly now let's turn in the old testament to exodus chapter 34 starting in verse 4 where god declares himself as merciful And in it, he also links his mercy to his forgiveness, that mercy of forgiveness that he has. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So he declares himself to be a God merciful and gracious, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but, but, who will by no means clear the guilty. That seems like a contradiction. But God solved that problem. Because if he's not going to clear the guilty, then all of us deserve punishment. But yet he's saying he's going to forgive iniquity and transgression and sin. How does he do that? He does it through Jesus Christ, his son on the cross. He died for us so that he can forgive our iniquity and transgressions and our sin because of his great mercy and his great grace. That's how he did it. Let's turn back to Exodus chapter 33 uh, in verses 17 through 19. And he says here, God says, he will show mercy on whom he will show mercy. And here in 17, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And now let's turn to the Psalms. So we're continually continually seeing how God is merciful. He will show mercy. Turn to Psalm 18. And uh, starting in verse 20 through 30, here we actually have a direct match with this beatitude. My observations of the Sermon on the Mount is, you know, as we're going through this, what, we, what Christ is saying, he is saying what the Father has told him to say. And the Father, I think almost in all cases, as we go through we'll find this out, but almost in all cases, he's already said something like this in the Old Testament. And Christ is repeating it and pulling it all together and repeating it. So it doesn't surprise me at all that I find basically a a direct match with this beatitude in the Psalms. But God will show mercy to the merciful is what it says. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He rewarded me for I have kept the ways of the Lord and am not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man you show yourself blameless. With the purified you show yourself pure. And with the crooked you make yourself seem torturous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For as you who light my lamp, the Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Just to go back to verse 25, With the merciful you show yourself merciful. Then in Isaiah chapter 58, I found this very interesting. Um, I didn't really pick up on this before, but uh, it talks about fasting and showing and, and links it to showing mercy toward others. And it really gave me a different perspective on fasting. So let's read through it, starting in verse three and going through verse 11. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. And oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? And then continuing in verse six. Is not this the fast that I choose? And this is what I found to be very interesting. This is what, this is the fasting that God chooses. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him? And not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, Then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. So as I read through this, the fasting that the Lord chooses sounds to me like demonstrating mercy, showing mercy to others loosing the bonds of wickedness, undoing the straps of the yoke, let letting the oppressed go free, breaking every yoke, sharing our bread with the hungry, bringing the homeless poor into our homes. When we see them naked, to cover them, pouring ourselves out for the hungry and satisfying the desire of the afflicted. His, his version of fasting is showing mercy on others. In a way, it's denying ourselves Because fasting is denying ourselves, Um, it's denying ourselves and thinking about others instead and helping others instead. Um, It's almost, I'm not sure if this is exactly what he meant, but, you know, maybe it's we don't eat something so that we can give that food to the hungry. You know, maybe we don't buy something to be able to give something to the poor. You know, that may be what he means, but if nothing else, it it is maybe not denying ourselves per se, but... Having mercy on others, however we do it—if it's denying ourselves or if it's taking out of our abundance, whatever it is—it's having mercy on others. From Isaiah 58, I couldn't believe it when I read it. To be perfectly honest, I was—I—I I, I need to take some time to process that um, because I think that's very important for us, um, brothers and sisters. So now let's turn to the uh, the New Testament. Um, let's. Turn in Luke chapter 1, where Zechariah prophesied that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise mercy. So starting in verse 67, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us because of the tender mercy of our God. Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So prophesying about God, showing his mercy through Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 9. Let's turn there, um, beginning in verse 9. Here it talks about Jesus came here on earth to call sinners because he desires to show them mercy, which is implying the forgiveness of their sins. That one form of mercy I was talking about earlier. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, Behold, Many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But he heard it, and he, but he heard it, let me back up, but when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And I'll have to confess, I have been thinking about that verse quite a bit this evening. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. To to fully understand its meaning, and I don't think I'm there yet. Um, many of you may may um, understand it better than I do. But it's taken from Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, and it, and it says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. So the way I interpret this is Jesus here and God is saying that God's desire is to show mercy to sinners. And this is found in its ultimate form in Jesus Christ, our, our Lord and Savior, and it's through his, his life and his death on the cross. That's the ultimate form of God's mercy for us is Christ. And because of this, in addition to and because of it, God's desire is also for us to show mercy to one another, which comes to us through our knowledge of God. And, and back to the verse from that section, that passage from Isaiah, he would rather see us demonstrating mercy toward others Rather than giving him sacrifices and burnt offerings, when our hearts are far from him, which can be demonstrated by not showing mercy to others. You know, if you think back to Mark chapter seven verse six, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So, you know, these sacrifices maybe we make today because we don't we no longer have the the um, the sacrificial system. Uh, established for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. But, you know, sacrifices of of fasting, for instance, or, you know, whatever else that we, we give to our God, sacrifice of, you know, going, coming to church and singing and worshiping and things like that. But, you know, if our hearts are far from Him, if we're not being obedient, if we're honoring with His lips and our hearts are far from Him, what good is that? He wants us to demonstrate mercy toward others. So we, we really need to do some introspection and take an assessment of where we're at with that. You know, are we showing mercy to others? Both through forgiveness and caring for people in their affliction. Because through that, we show the love of Christ toward others. We shine his light in this world. We are his hands and feet. And I think that's really coming out through these scriptures as, as we dig into blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. This is talking about demonstrating mercy on our fellow man as obeying God's commandment to love our neighbor. And I believe not doing so is a sin of omission. So let's read through this. And behold, Him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. We might as well take that as if he tells that directly to us. You go and do likewise. Show mercy on our fellow man. He's telling us to love our neighbors. This is the heart of our Lord, this is the heart of our God. We must do this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 1. This is um, Jesus demonstrating mercy on the Sabbath. And he again applies the verse, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And uh, he does that. He, he demonstrates mercy by alleviating hunger uh, on the Sabbath and also physically healing a man with a withered hand. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they... They said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read the law, how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here, and if you had not known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered the synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him? He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. So Jesus here is demonstrating that mercy is what he is looking for. Mercy is what he expects on the Sabbath. To be able to eat because you're hungry. If you go back to Isaiah, it talks about feeding the hungry. Or if you are maimed, disfigured, you have a disease, or, or whatever it might be, it is good to have mercy on that person and, and heal their affliction. So it shows that God desires mercy. And then after, let me see if it was after, yep, uh, later on in this gospel in Matthew, and this goes to chapter 23 in uh, verse 23 through 24. This is where Jesus upbraided the Pharisees due to their lack of mercy, among you know, lack of other things as well, but mercy is, is in the list. And here Jesus uses some very strong language saying, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. You know, our our Lord talks about us doing good works. And James tells us that faith without works is dead. And what he's describing here is, is what God is saying about he desires mercy and not sacrifice. Knowledge of God, um, rather than what was that? Let me see if I can find it. <laughs> but rather than uh, like an offering, um, something like that. Sorry, I'd have to go back up and find it. But um, here, you know, you have that that emptiness of you know. Here they are hypocrites. They are pretending to be honoring God by by tithing the littlest parts of of mint and dill and cumin to make sure that they, they show that they're giving those little things. But but Christ here is saying they're neglecting the, neglecting the weightier matters of the law. They're neglecting justice, they're neglecting mercy, and they're neglecting faithfulness. We need to ask ourselves, are we doing the same thing? Do we show up to church and sing all the songs and listen and take notes to the sermon? And yet, after going out the door, do we neglect those things that he's, he's wanting from us, those good works like mercy that he's called us to do, being his, um, his bride. We really need to think about this, church. We need to remember that God had mercy on us by his grace. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by, by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So our God, rich in mercy, because of the great love for us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. And if you look here, this mercy that he's shown upon us in verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. And part of those good works is having mercy on our fellow man through forgiving others, through, through helping them in their affliction. And if we don't forgive, if we're not merciful, well, let's take a look at the parable of the unmerciful servant. In Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. So he's talking here about continually forgiving those who sin against us, having mercy on them. We need to forgive our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to forgive others. We need to have that form of mercy because God has been merciful to us in our sin. He has forgiven us our sins, He's forgiven us our trespasses, and He's expecting us to do the same for those around us. If we turn to James chapter 2, starting in verse 1, uh, here we talk about. Judging rightly without partiality and showing mercy through that action, through judging rightly and not showing, not demonstrating partiality between people because God is not partial. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So we're to have mercy on people through the judging that we do. We're to show no partiality between rich and poor or anything like that. We're to show mercy. And this is right from the Beatitudes, blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy. And if you're unmerciful, you will receive judgment without mercy. I don't, I know I don't want that. (laughs) I really don't. Um, Just a few other examples of the mercy of forgiveness um, before we, um, before we wrap up. Um, One is the Lord's prayer. Uh, move further on in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter six, verse 12. Um, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So that, that mercy of forgiveness. Um, also go read Paul's letter to Philemon, where he is imploring Philemon to forgive his runaway slave Onesimus, who has come to the faith. So that mercy of forgiveness. And also remember that love covers over a multitude of sins. We're told to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, love our neighbor. Um, here in First Peter chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, it um, tells us to keep loving one another, um, and that covers a multitude of sins. I, I believe that's also um, merciful, having mercy. It, it, to me, it has the implication of, of forgiving each other our sins, just like Christ told um, Peter to do so 7 times seventy. You know, seven times, 70 times. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. If, we're, if we are loving each other, we're having mercy on each other. So in closing, we need to remember, um, you know, as I go through this, as I go through every one of them, um, there there's a, a finger pointed right back at me with this. Um, as I learn what our Lord says in the scriptures, and um I I I'm definitely edified and I and I need to be able to translate that into action. And to be honest, and I think we all need this, you know, it it's helpful to have the body of Christ to move with us so that we're all moving in the same direction together, where we're moving away from perhaps a lethargy in the church, um, not not a full understanding to a better understanding of what Christ wants to do and doing it because we, we know and, and we need to get better at We need to encourage one another. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that we need to do is encourage one another to good works, to be merciful in this case, to be merciful to one another, to be merciful to, uh, to those who are afflicted, um, to have mercy on others through forgiveness of, of them sinning against us. This is what our Lord, <coughs> excuse me, this is what our Lord wants us to do. He's, he's done that for us. He has met us in our affliction. He has met us in our sins and he's forgiven them through Jesus Christ. He is merciful. And as his children, we are expected to show mercy as well. And like I said before, that is demonstrating Christ for others and hopefully lead others to him because of his great love, his great love for us shown by, through us by our love for others and the mercy that we show for others. So, so now I, I ask that the Lord God Almighty give each one of us the power, the mercy, and the grace to be able to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ through the mercy that we show others. All glory to him. May his great name be praised. Amen.